I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on episode 99, I'll share a lesson Pam and I did for the UK, Ireland, and Nordic churches. I'll talk about how to get fired up in the wake of COVID, how to get focused, and how to start moving forward spiritually. All this and more on this episode of the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm so happy about the Small Church Leadership Conference coming up in December of 2021. The theme is Climb, and I'd like to invite you to come to it. No matter who you are, I'd like you to meet me in Dallas, Texas, December 2nd through 5th, 2021, this year. The hotel is going to be the Marriott Las Colinas. It's $109 per night. And early registration starts right now. You can go ahead and register. It's $125 per person. It'll go up to $150 July 1st, and then it'll be uh, top out at $175 in September 1st. So please go ahead and sign up right away. You can go to robskinner.com and look for the Climb Conference tab. Go to robskinner.com, and up in the upper right, you'll see the Climb Conference tab. And you'll need to register for the hotel as well as for the registration. It's going to be great. It's been so great to be able to talk to you week by week. But I look forward to talking to you in person and sharing ideas. And right now in the wake of COVID, it's not more information we need. We need personal encouragement. We need to be with one another. And that's what's so powerful about these conferences that we had two years ago at the Look Up Conference. It's so directed towards the small ministry leader. And it's so encouraging. You're with people for like 48 hours straight. There's so much great fellowship. It's going to be fun. It's going to be mega encouraging. Please come to the conference. Welcome to the UK, Ireland, and Nordic Staff Retreat. My name is Rob Skinner, and this is my wife, Pam Skinner, and we're so grateful to Mohan and Helen for inviting us to speak to you. We feel honored that you would ask us to be able to encourage you during this weekend. We're so grateful for you, for your work. We've spoken with a few of you. We're we're just honored to be here, and we're going to share things that we've learned that God has taught us to encourage you today. Yes, greetings from Tucson, Arizona. Like my husband shared, we are so excited to be here. Now, I have to say, I wish we were there in person. Absolutely. Who doesn't want to go to the UK, Ireland, and the Nordic region? But, hey, this is the next best thing. So I'm excited that we get to share uh, just things we've learned, mistakes that we've made. Uh, It's going to be a great time together. That's right. So we're going to get right into class number one, and the title is The Harvest is Plentiful, But the Workers Are Few. That's a great passage, one we've read many times, but how can we get our churches growing in 2021? 
That's the question. I think we all recognize the hit that COVID has, you know, done on all of us, even the strongest of us. It's like, wow, that really knocked the wind out of us. Some of us were struggling in our faith, struggling with sin, dealing with a limitation of time, working multiple jobs, working part-time jobs or, or self-supporting. Our ministries, some of them have just stopped growing or reversed. We're discouraged at times. We feel pulled so many different ways, having to learn all sorts of different things and deal with people in different ways. It's not easy to evangelize right now. We're dealing with lockdowns and COVID restrictions. And evangelism is so different. And that's just the top, you know, just the, the scratching the surface of the challenges that we're all facing. Yeah, absolutely. COVID has been challenging. You know, that's, that's, everybody knows that. I mean, could you imagine if we told you several years ago that you would have to wait in line to buy toilet paper? I mean, that's just absurd. Uh, you know, and so I know that we've all, we're all trying to come out of it and we're trying to move forward, but we have to acknowledge it's been a very, very difficult time for a lot of us. That's right. You know, our family, uh, we did get COVID uh, right after Thanksgiving. All of us had it at the same time. And, it, you know, it was challenging. You know, my husband still doesn't have his taste and smell back 100%. Uh, but again, you know, God is faithful, and I'm excited that we get to share the things that we've learned during this time. Yeah. I want to tell you something. You can grow, and you will grow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No matter where you're at, no matter what field you're working in, you can absolutely grow, both personally and in your church. So where does it start? Okay, it starts very simply with this point. Get fired up. <laughs> I know that's not super deep, but you've got to get fired up. Progress in our ministry depends on progress in our thinking about who God is and what he's capable of doing. I think about Martin Luther, the original Martin Luther. And this man was tormented. He was tortured about his own sin and, and would confess for hours upon hours until he began really digging into the scripture and he read Romans 1:17 for in the gospel a righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it is written the righteous will live by faith when he understood that just he'd read it many times but when he really got it and his thinking changed he realized whoa it's not my righteousness that I'm saved by it's God's righteousness that he gives us. That one thought, that one change of thinking, it changed not only that man, that suffering monk, but it changed Germany, it changed Europe, and it changed Western civilization for the past 500 years. That's the power of changing your thinking. And if there's one thing that I could help you with this weekend is, man, this is what it's all about. You've got to change your thinking. You've got to get fired up where you feel like, yes, God is awesome. And at a subconscious level, we all have thoughts that are holding us back from being the great disciples and leaders that God knows that you can be. Here are some areas to examine that you need to take a look at. Thoughts like, does God really love me? Does he forgive me? Maybe he's punishing me for, for my sin. That's why my church is not doing well. 
oh, I don't really feel saved. So I'm going to try to earn God's love by working really hard in the ministry. Or I should just quit. You know, I'm, I'm a loser. I'm doing terrible. I should just totally quit and put myself out of my misery. Or I'm a fake. I'm an imposter. People can see right through me. You know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not doing good and people know it. Or I can't be happy unless the ministry is performing this way. So I'm going to be miserable until that time. Or God can't or won't help me in my situation. I don't know why. He just won't do it. Or I'm less than others. You know, I, I, you might be 47 years old and still feel like you're a one-year-old intern. You know, just feel like I just don't stack up. Or I'm not good with technology and computers. Or I'm not respected. I'm not appreciated. I, I don't like these people around me. They don't give me the respect I deserve. Or I don't have time to be with God because uh, of, of money, uh, money needs, or my family, or the pressure of the church. I, I just can't really put the time in there. Or we, you know, we don't have enough resources. Yeah. We're a small church, and we can't afford what these big churches can get. Mm -hmm. Or people are just not open out there. These are all thoughts that we wrestle with. But take a look at Jesus' thinking. In, the, in our theme passage, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Look at Jesus' thinking. When he looked at the, 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 sur the surrounding area, he just said, This place is wide open. Now the disciples thought, No, this is Samaria. People are not open. They, people are just... This is not a place where people can become Christians, but Jesus' thinking was different. And that's where we have to challenge ourselves to think differently. How would you feel? How much would you change your life? How much would your ministry change if you replaced those default thoughts, whatever they may be, with the way Paul thought about God? Wouldn't it be amazing? Mm -hmm. Thoughts like, God is for us. God is with me. God is helping me. Mm -hmm. I'm at peace with God. That's the way Paul thought. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm the worst of sinners, I'm totally at peace. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ that's in Christ Jesus. The love of God that's in Christ Jesus. We're more than conquerors. I can do everything God asks me to with the help of Christ who gives me strength. Or I love this version of, of Philippians 4.13. There's nothing I cannot master with the help of Christ who gives me strength. Look at that. Just think about that thinking. And I go, that's the way I want to think. And that's what I pray every day. God, let me think that way about you. Let me, let me believe your words and really trust you as I should, rather than these weird thoughts that are going through my mind. And so how can you get fired up? Let's just talk practically how you can just change your thinking. Number one, take captive every thought starts there with awareness. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's where it starts is take captive every thought. You have to become aware of what is going on in your thought life that's holding you back. 
You might have attitudes towards people in the ministry or in other churches or, or attitudes towards family members. That could be holding you back. Are you aware of what you're thinking? I think, secondly, build your trust in God. Yeah. Build your trust in God. I love the passage in, in 2 Kings 18, 5-7, where it says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. I think about Hezekiah, and I go, that guy was loaded with troubles. I mean, remember when Sennacherib surrounded him? I mean, they had hundreds of thousands of troops surrounding Jerusalem. The guy was really struggling. I mean, he was successful, but man, the guy had a ton of, ton of troubles. What was different? What made him unique? He trusted yeah, God. And trust is my personal theme for 2021, and it's our church's it's theme. Our, it's our church's theme. It's a good, it's a good thing. <laughs> because I feel, there's times that I feel like, man, we're surrounded by enemies. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Mm. I, I just got to lay my prayers out before God and say, God, you got to come through. Mm -hmm. And I think of an example of where trust has really paid off. Yeah. Um, you know, I set out a goal by faith to plant a church in Flagstaff this summer. Well, when I did that, that was right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. So it's like, I hope this happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are we even going to be able to share our faith? Yeah. How's this? But I just said, you just got to trust. Mm -hmm. And then I said, we need a leader. That's what matters the most is finding the leader. Mm -hmm. And couldn't find one. Months passed by and I'm like, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> but I remember getting a phone call from the, the sister church in Phoenix. They're like, hey, where's that leader? I'm like... I'm praying, I'm fasting, and I'm trusting that God is going to surface somebody. And just at the beginning of March, yeah. someone called, said, yeah. hey, we're leaving our, our campus ministry position, and we're interested in the Flagstaff position. I'm like, boom. And we had interviewed a number of different people, but this couple's perfect. And I had prayed. I said, God, I need someone young, no kids, someone in their mid-20s, mm -hmm. because we really need to start sending out them younger. And boom, they're a great couple, and they're going to be leading. And I go, trust really paid off. And I was nervous. I lost sleep over it, yeah. but God came through. Yeah, absolutely. That has been so encouraging. You know, in the midst of COVID, when we feel so limited by what we can do, uh, I really appreciate my husband's faith and just deciding, hey, we're going to get a mission team together. We're going to go, and we're going to spend the whole month of June there with this young couple, and we're going to talk more about that. But I really appreciate uh, your faith. You know, I know for myself during this time, it just exposed just a lot of weakness in just how much I rely on people, my relationships, being in the fellowship. And so when all those things are taken away, gosh, I absolutely have to trust in God. That's right. And one of the things that I just decided early on in the pandemic was I just got to get outside. You know, they closed my gym. You know, I just thought, oh my gosh, the world's ended. I just thought, I got to get outside. I got to start walking. I got to start praying. I got to start just trusting and casting all my anxieties on him because he cares for me. And, and not only just with the ministry, but how about in our own personal lives? Right. You know, we right now, it's a real blessing. All three of our adult children live in our city. Actually, two of them live under our roof. So I do have to confess that, you know, during COVID, we, we had a lot of great family time, family meals. Uh, of course, we definitely got on each other's nerves, but hey, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things that 
really uh, we think about that we really have to trust God with is the future of our children, right? For all of us, we want all of our children to go to heaven, but then how about our children? We want them to marry disciples. And two of our children that were living under our roof uh, are disciples, they're single. And you know, you noticed, right? During COVID, how many like singles conferences are happening? Like none, you know? So that was a real, just a, a, a sad, just a burden on us. Like how in the world, God, are our children gonna find spiritual spouses? And that was something that we committed to prayer. We trusted God with. And it was so encouraging because, you know, for my daughter, my daughter's 24, we begged God. We don't want her to have a long distance relationship. That, that's just tough. And we prayed specifically, God, we want somebody to move to Tucson that she could start dating. And what do you know, last year around June, my husband gets a call from this great brother uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, he wants to move to Tucson. He wants to train in the ministry. He moved here. And guess what? He fell in love with my daughter. And it's just, just personally, I feel like when we just put that out there with God, of course, we want our ministries to grow, but we want to see great things happen in our family. We want to see God to answer those specific prayers in our, our families, in our marriages, with our children. And that's been such a, just a personal victory uh, that we've experienced this yeah. year. Yeah. The tough part about trust is, you have to wait a long time yeah. and that's the hard time yeah. is just praying, fasting, and then waiting yeah. and then just believing it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. And so trust God. What else can you do? Renew your appreciation for God's grace. Renew your appreciation for God's grace. Psalm chapter 51, verse 12, David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Remember when you were a young Christian, just the joy you felt, hey, I'm saved, man, this is an awesome life. I'm just so happy. We need to feel that way as Christians in our 50s or 40s or 30s or late 20s. You need to feel like, man, I want to feel the joy of my salvation. I want to. I don't want to be a burdened, troubled leader. I, I want to be happy. <laughs> I, According to Jesus, I've got I've got treasures waiting for me in heaven, eternal life. I've got a home waiting for me, a mansion. I really got it all. But sometimes I don't act that way. And I want to have that feeling like, man, I'm saved. I'm loved by God. So take the time to dig into what I call your treasure chest. Imagine if you won the lottery or you won, you know, $2 million or pounds or whatever denomination you're using. And you just put it all into gold and jewels and you just kept it in your closet. Wouldn't you want to, from time to time, just pull that thing out, just kind of dig through it, just go, woo, I'm rich. Just go, look at all this. Would you just hide it away and never look at it again? I don't think so. And that's what it's like having a relationship with Christ. Is like we have all those treasures hidden in Christ. we got to pull it out and enjoy it and just go, man, I am the luckiest person in the world. So take your time as you, you have a time with God. Give yourself permission to enjoy your relationship with God. Take time to praise Him, not just list all the problems in your church, mm -hmm. but focus what you have already in Christ. Realize this, you're already a success yeah. because your name is written in heaven, yeah. okay? You might not be sending the, the demons down right now. <laughs> it's, maybe it's not happening in your part of the world, but you know what? Your name is written in heaven. Yeah. So take the time to be joyful in Christ. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I think another thing that can help you with your mindset to get fired up is remember that the great I am is always with you. Matthew 28, 20. I love that passage. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the thing that strikes me about that when Jesus says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's the same person who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. He's God. When he spoke to Moses and he said, hey, you're going to go do this. I'm, I'm sending you. That's the same powerful God that says, and surely I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And I think about that and I go, man, that's amazing. And that's what's always helped me. Even when I was a baby Christian leading my first Bible talk, I would walk up to the, to the Bible talk and, or to the dorm, and it was like a castle up on the hill at UC Berkeley. It's called Bowles Hall. And I was terrified, but I just kept repeating this, and surely I'm with you always. And I thought, Jesus is with me. Did I know how to lead a Bible talk? Absolutely not. But we had five baptisms that semester. Why? Because Jesus was with me. The great I am is with you. And if you can internalize that, your life's going to change. Nothing is impossible for you. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to acknowledge your weaknesses. Be honest and get help. Listen, our churches are all over the place. Okay? I've got some real strong points in my church, and I've got some weak points. Okay, I'd be glad to tell you all about it if I had more time, but we all do. Okay, when you hear good news, you're hearing the high point. They're not telling you about the, the part that they're still working on. So just be honest. We, we all have challenges, and we all work through those together. What else can you do to help your mindset? Learn from others and gain faith from others. That's why I started the podcast is I wanted to learn what are, the, what are other people doing. And when I talk to them, I go, okay, if they're doing it, I think I could do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think about people I've talked to, like Sean Wooten. Yeah. I go, man, a prayer and fasting, I could do that. And I, and I did it. And I started imitating that. Or I learned from Henry and Arunima Gomes about prayer and fasting chains. And I thought, I can do that. And I did it. But that'll help your mindset is to go, if anyone's doing something, I could probably do that too. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add anything? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the blessings uh, during COVID, of course, we're so isolated, right? We weren't able to go, obviously, to any of our retreats, any of our times together, our discipling times. But I was so thankful because a group of sisters from the L.A. church reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to be part of this D group? They call it the Empower Hour. I was like, absolutely. And so, honestly, every week during COVID, uh, the four of us, they were several small church leaders, we would talk on the phone, Zoom or FaceTime for an hour every week. And boy, that encouraged me. I looked forward to that time. And so I hope that during COVID, you've been able to reach out to people, that you're building your new COVID friendships, you know, learning things, being inspired from each other. We're isolated and, and we can get lonely, but we've got to really decide, hey, I'm going to push past that because I want to learn from others. I want to get fired up. That's right. Amen. No one is any better than you. Mm. Okay. If someone is doing something in a better way, you can learn from them. But no one is just by their nature any better. Okay, we're all working through this. So just learn and, and appropriate what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. Next thing, spend 90% of your time focusing on the solution to your problems, not on the problems themselves. Listen, in our ministries, there's problems. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's the life of a minister. Mm -hmm. But 90% of those things are just things you really can't change. Okay, they're, they're, a person has fallen away or struggling. You can't change that necessarily. But 
you can improve certain situations, okay? You can go, okay, I can really tackle this situation. Mm -hmm. So don't dwell in your mind on troubled situations. Yeah. Concentrate on how you can build a stronger, healthier church in the long run. Yeah. You know, right now in our, in our church, the campus ministry is not doing super great, mm -hmm. okay? There's some households that are toxic, not, not doing well. And I go, man, we got to really tackle this situation. Now our singles are doing much better. But the campus is like, okay, not doing good. Now, if I want to dwell on that, it's a real downer. <laughs> yeah. But then I just think, okay, what's the solution? What can I do? How can I help? How can I get involved? And, and we're just tackling it with our staff. Say, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And guess what? It's gradually improving. It's not as bad as we once thought. Yeah. And we're, we're improving it. Yeah, so focus on the solution, mm -hmm. not just the problem, okay? Some things can't be changed. So why dwell on it too much? Mm -hmm. Next point, get your motives right. 1 Peter 5, 2. I love this version. It says, be shepherds of God's flock, the believers under your care. Watch over them, not because you have to. Instead, do it because you want to. Mm -hmm. That's what God wants you to do. Don't do it because you want to get money in dishonest ways. Do it because you really want to serve. Mm -hmm. Okay, great passage about the motives of leadership. When you're non-paid or part-time in the ministry, mm -hmm. what's, a, what's a motivation that can be a false motivation? Obligation. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have to do this. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I gotta do it. Or if you're getting paid in the professional ministry, money can be a motivation. So you gotta really look through in there and go, okay, what are my motivations for doing the ministry right now? Um, do things because you want to do them, not because you have to. This is something that Pam and I always have to ask ourselves. Why are we doing this? You know, I planted a church self-supporting in, in my hometown. It was awesome because I wanted to. Now, were there challenges? Oh, yeah, tons of them. Yeah. But I was fired up because I wanted to. No one could fire me because I was doing it for free. I was supporting the church. Don't worry about what they think. Okay? They're probably not even thinking about you anyway. Sometimes we think, oh, I can't take a break. I can't get time off. I, can't, I don't have time for vacation. I don't have time to rest or relax. Listen, just take the time off. Okay? It's better for you to be fired up and happy than burdened and obligated. You can't solve everyone's problems, so just let it go and try to be happy. Mm -hmm. From time to time, think this. What if I got fired? What if I got fired? Mm. Well, you'd still do fine. You'd still serve God. It's okay. Yeah. Don't, don't feel, live under the pressure like, what if I got fired? You'd do fine. Mm -hmm. You would do okay. Stay motivated. Be careful about your motivation. Okay, in this point about getting fired up, here's my final practical. Create a miracle morning. Mm -hmm. Your morning is the rudder of your day. It directs everything about your day. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself, what works for you to be as fired up mentally as possible? Here's what, what works for me. I think this is my, my most current <laughs> iteration of my routine. I wake up, I get some coffee, I wake up at six, have coffee. I look on my screen, I've got my goals, my affirmations. I read them out loud. You know, I imitate Paul and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can't master through him who gives me strength. So I go through those. Then I go out for a 30-minute walk. I walk while listening to the Bible. I've got a one-year Bible plan I listen to, and I, I pray a little bit. 
Then I come back, I read a, a good book for 20 minutes, something inspiring. Then I write real briefly in my journal for like five minutes, and then I spend about 30 to 45 minutes in prayer and meditation. That helps me, gets me focused, gets me positive, I get excited about the day, and it gets me pumped up. That will help me, and it'll help you too, to get a morning routine that'll set your mind right every single day. Point number two, get focused. Point number one was get fired up. Now we're talking about get focused. The definition for priority from the Collins Dictionary is if something is a priority, it's the most important thing you have to do or deal with or must be done or dealt with before everything else you have to do. This is challenging because oftentimes we, we're so overwhelmed with all the different things we've got to do in the ministry mm -hmm. that we lose track of what's the priority. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about multiple goals. I love uh, Greg, Mc, Greg McKeown's uh, book. This is his book from Essentialism, and he says this, the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s. It was singular. It meant the very first or prior thing. It stayed singular for the next 500 years. Only in the 1900s did we pluralize the term and start talking about priorities. Mm -hmm. Illogically, we reasoned that by changing the word, we could change reality. Somehow, we would now be able to have multiple first things. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge we face. We think, I've got so many priorities, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Priority is, is one thing. And Jesus understood what his priority was when he said, when he found them, when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Mark chapter 1, 37 through 38. That's a man who understood the word priority. He'd been healing all night, doing good things, serving people, healing diseases till late in the night. He had a quiet time. Then they said, hey, keep doing it. We got, you got all these other things you got to do. He said, nope, I have come to preach. That's my priority. And that's what he did. So Jesus was crystal clear on his priority. He, but he also faced lifelong resistance to his mission. His disciples would constantly interrupt him. He was constantly getting interrupted. But he set his own agenda. And he, his leadership style was not reactive. He wasn't getting pulled all the time to different things. He would always recenter back on his priority. He didn't allow others to hijack his agenda or his, his time or his mission. He stayed focused. And that's what we should do as well. So often we get confused or overwhelmed by the multitude of people and, and needs that are crying out to us that we feel like, what am I doing? This is not why I got into the ministry in the first place. And it loses its charm about being in the ministry. And the reason is we're not doing our priority which is seeking and saving the lost. So you want to share? Maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I think this has been one of the biggest challenges with COVID yeah. is, I mean, in the ministry, right? We all, we got into the ministry to make a difference right. in people's lives, right? We we're, we're basically getting paid to share our faith, have quiet times. Right. Those are the things that we're passionate about. That's right. And COVID just shut that down. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know about you. I know we can still have Bible studies with zoom and all that, but it's just not the same right. as being in person. 
But what I love too about COVID is, you know, it's not just, right, not just the disciples that are locked down. Everybody's locked down. Yeah. Everybody's been facing the challenges of COVID. And, you know, there was a friend of mine that I reached out to two years ago. She had separated from her husband. And, you know, it just didn't really go anywhere uh, a couple years ago when I was reaching out to her. But during COVID, she ended up making amends with her husband. And I would see on Facebook, like these photos of her family time and date night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like things have really changed in her life. Mm -hmm. And so when we were able to, you know, start meet, meeting back together, I reached out to her again and God had really changed her heart. She really decided she wanted to make things right with her husband. And so she uh, was able to come to church. She's one of my fitness instructors and she's a really good friend of mine. But it just really encourages me when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, right. when we're focused on our priority. Man, there's just such a sense of satisfaction right. and happiness that we have. That's right, yeah. Well, why don't we do that? I mean, why why do we kind of look at our day and go, man, did I help anybody at all with the gospel? It's called resistance. Mm. Uh, and that's a, a term from a book um, called The the War of Art. And it, I love it because it just talks about how we, we constantly face resistance both within ourselves, but also from our environment. Mm. You already know what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. But the question is, why aren't you doing it? Well, it's resistance. You get caught up in the pressure of the moment, the urgency of other people's demands, the emails, the social, the social media, the calls, the text, and that internal pressure to avoid what matters the most keeps you from doing it. And this capacity that Jesus had to overcome external and internal resistance is the single most important lesson for a ministry leader, I believe. Absolutely. You have to be able to get yourself to focus on your priority or else you'll be a very frustrated leader. Mm -hmm. You don't have time for everything mm -hmm. and there are so many things to do, but you do have enough time for your priority, mm -hmm. for doing the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, I mean, think about it. If you baptize two or three people this year, wouldn't it fire you up? Yeah. You may not get a lot of other stuff done, but you'd get that done and you'd go, that was an awesome year. Yeah. When your church is stagnant or stuck, you've got one priority, mm -hmm. grow, stay focused on the mission. Now that's true whether you're growing or not, but it's still your priority. Mm -hmm. Everything you do must support your priority or it needs to be set aside, mm -hmm. abandoned. Everything else depends on the healthy growth of your church. Why? Because it feels right, it helps you, it helps your mindset. When you do the work that you know you should be doing, which is Jesus' work, you feel good about yourself. You go, yes, I'm doing the work that I wanted to do initially. And it offers inspiration to discouraged Christians. They go, wow, God is really at work here. Mm -hmm. And that's your job is to inspire them. Mm -hmm. So let me, let, let's give you some practicals for how you can support your priority. Number one, Reset your schedule so that you follow the 75% rule. What's the 75% rule? 75% of your time should be involved in reaching out and studying with the lost or discipling those who have the desire to grow and advance the gospel. Mm -hmm. You've got to look at your schedule. And if, you, if you're honest, you go, man, it's not been 75% of my time. But take a look. How many times have you been in studies? You've got to re recalibrate your schedule for post-COVID and go, okay, I'm going to leave Tuesday night, Wednesday night out for Bible studies, 
Saturdays are going to be free for studies. Open up your schedule, 75% of your time. Now, if you're part-time or self-supporting, look at your mornings and your evenings and your weekends mm -hmm. and ask yourself, what, what's my current COVID schedule? Do you, do you even have time to bear fruit? Mm -hmm. Like if someone was wide open, could they even squeeze into your schedule? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're just, everything's booked up, dealing with older Christians, uh, and, and you don't have the time. Mm -hmm. So you've got to go, okay, I've got to carve out some time. Maybe I, I, don't wa I don't binge watch on Tuesday. I don't binge watch on Thursday. I leave those evenings open for Bible studies. I leave Saturdays open so I can study the Bible. Next thing, make a stop doing list of things that don't contribute towards your priority. A stop doing list. You know, think maybe, maybe you're in, in the habit of just drinking every day. Okay, maybe that's an issue. Like, yeah, I probably could slow down there a little bit. Or watching hours of TV every day. Or sleeping in. Or browsing. You've got to go, okay, i got to cut back here. got to stop it so I can open up time for God to work in my life. I think you can use accountability software if you've got a challenge with browsing. I've got a software on there that sends a report of everything I look at to Bruce Williams, who disciples me. Okay, and he, he can see everything. And it, it's good. It's called Accountable to You. And I did this, started this about three years ago. It's awesome. Just keeps me focused, keeps me honest. And I go, it's good for me. So um, that, that can be helpful. Yeah, I just wanted to share uh, personally that, you know, I was really excited about taking those prayer walks, you know, during COVID. And, but when we started to meet back together, I realized pretty quickly that I was out of shape spiritually. I had allowed just uh, my the undisciplinedness in my schedule to take over. Okay, for example, the month of March. Let me just let me just be honest. So my husband decides that we're going to have a prayer time in the church every morning from seven to seven fifteen. Right? You go. Well, that's gosh. He could have said five to five fifteen. Right? He says seven to seven fifteen. So I'm like, okay, so we're going to do it for the whole month. Well, actually, Monday through Friday. And, you know, it's it's not, you know, not everybody has to come, right? But I'm the minister's wife, right? Um, our bedroom is, like, next door to the office. So the first day, it's a Monday, 7 o'clock. Do I show up for the prayer time on Zoom? No. Uh, how about Tuesday? I bet you're hoping I'm going to say yes to Tuesday. Guess what? Didn't show up then either. How about Wednesday? Now, my husband was so gracious, right? You know, he's just like, well, you know, we'll see what happens Thursday. Thursday comes. I don't show up. Okay, finally Friday. Friday, the end of the week. I'm like, Pam, what are you doing? So I show up to the prayer meeting. I was really convicted. I, I, got, I almost got, you know, I was teary-eyed. Just praying with my brothers and sisters on Zoom, just going, Pam, what is your problem? You've gotten so out of shape spiritually. I needed to repent and get myself back on track before I could call any of the other women to follow me. You're awesome, baby. <laughs> You're awesome. What else can you do? Set up systems and routines that make you feel like a winner. Okay, you guys are awesome. You're so fantastic. But sometimes you don't feel that way. You feel like I'm not, I don't feel like a winner. I feel like a loser. And we've all felt that way at times. So I love the book by Scott Adams called How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. It's a great book that I'd recommend you read. But in it, he talks about having uh, systems rather than just goals. I'm a total goal oriented person. 
But as long as I don't hit my goal, I still feel like a loser because I haven't gotten to the goal yet. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have these goals and dreams. We go, I want to see this happen. And it doesn't happen for a year, two years, three years. Okay, you've got to set, rig your game, set your game up so you can feel like a winner mm -hmm. faster mm -hmm. every day yeah. if possible. And so, for example, like, let's say you have a goal. I want to meet and baptize somebody this year. That's a great goal. I mean, we all want to be fruitful for Jesus. Right. Well, set up a system that says, like, I'm going to share with one person a day. Mm -hmm. Well, that's manageable. So every day that you share your faith with somebody, you go, boom, I'm a winner. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it. I'm on the way. And you feel good. You feel like, yeah, I did that. And what's another goal? I want to enjoy peace of mind and peace with God. Well, what, what could be a system to support it? I'm gonna dedicate the first hour of waking to reading, prayer, and meditation. Mm -hmm. Great, every time you do that, you go, boom, I'm on my way to peace of mind. Systems help you feel like you're winning daily and you need to feel like you're a winner every day. Yeah. Next, target those you want to reach. Who do you wanna reach out to? Yeah. I mean, Pam and I, we wanna reach out to people that are like us in our 50s, mm -hmm. professionals, skilled people. I go, that'd be awesome. We want friends around us. Yes. So I started an online professional Bible talk and the title is how to succeed professionally and spiritually. So I did a study of Daniel. I've got, I've got all the slides if you want to borrow it. And I just started to reach out to, um, corporate employees. There's a, a company called Raytheon Missile Systems. My son works there. And guess what? We're starting to bring a lot of people to that Bible talk. So I don't know where it's going to go, but I go, they're the kind of people I want to reach. I bought a set of golf clubs. I've never golfed in my, you know, since college, not much of a golfer, but I thought, okay, I, those people that I want to reach are probably out on the driving range. So I'll, I'll just give it a shot. 300 bucks. I'll give it a try. Um, make the mission fun for yourself, guys. Mm -hmm. Get a group around you that you like. If you're in a small group and you go, I don't, I don't really click, click with these people. Well, if you're leading, change it up. So you get around people that you really connect with and you're having fun doing it. Your attitude makes a huge difference in how effective you feel. So like for us, yeah. at the beginning of the year, you want to share? Yeah, I do. You know, we're trying to figure out what what kind of small group do we want to have? Who, who do we want in our small group? And I said, okay, honey, picture this. You've had a really long week in the ministry, okay? <laughs> Lots of just heavy appointments. You're tired. It's Friday night, and it's family group time. And of course, right, we love everybody in the church. But I said, honey, give me the names of three couples who you would just go, I want to hang out with those guys. And so that's what we did. We wrote down their names, and we said, that's going to be our family group. And you know what? Several of those couples... They led their own family group, but we said, you know what? We're going to change it up because we need to be surrounded by our friends. We need to be in a situation that's going to help us be fruitful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it ruffled a little bit of, of some feathers, but now it's going great. We're looking forward. Uh, we're excited and, and just building a great family group. Yeah. If you're in charge of your ministry, you need to set it up in a way where you feel like you can win and you can do well and set a great example. So don't hesitate to set it up in a way that makes it fun for you and enjoyable and where you're enjoying your life. Mm. I want to say this. Don't let those who are fear, fearful or faithless stop you from doing what's right. Mm. There's a lot of Christians right now that are very fearful. They've really taken a hit to their faith. I was talking to a person recently and he said, you know, Noah preached for, for, 
you know, a long time. No one ever became, a, you know, listened to him. And then he just got into the boat and went off. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you saying? So what, what that person was saying essentially like, you know, that's the way the Christian life is. You preach and preach, no one becomes a Christian, but you're still a faithful like Noah and rewarded. I go, I get where he's coming from. It's like, you can be faithful and not see the results that you want, but I go, why would you want to have that mindset? Mm -hmm. And I followed up with him today and I talked to him and I said, listen, I understand what you're saying, that a person can be faithfully doing their best and not see the results that they want. But I said, think about Jesus's attitude. When the disciples felt that same way, he said, no, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. And that's the theme of our lesson here today is that we have to change our mindset and not give into faithlessness or fear or let those who have that stop us, but instead go, okay, if Jesus and Paul were here, they would be fruitful, right? They would, they would be impacting our cities no matter how tough the mission field we're on. And you can do it too. So don't let those who are struggling set the bar or set the limit of your faith. You believe, listen, the harvest is plentiful. And I'm going to go out and show that that's true. I just want to close by saying set up a short-term campaign. I mentioned that this is something that, that I'm doing with what I'm going to call my Magnificent Seven. I'm going to talk about that in my next class. We just set a goal. We're going to try to set up 60 Bible studies appointments in 60 days. And, you know, we had very few studies going on after COVID. We're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to jumpstart that. Mm -hmm. And so it's been awesome because in the first 30 days, we've already had over 20 Bible studies going on. It's Bible study appointments with people. And it, it's so encouraging because people are going, hey, people are open. There's open people out there. People came to the men's retreat and just cried. I go, this is awesome. And it's building faith and motivation. And it's encouraging me. Yeah. It's encouraging my wife. Yeah. And the whole church is going, okay, we're going we're gonna to get through this. And our church is going to grow. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for listening to the Rob Skinner Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, let me ask you a favor. Hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.